0: Episode three, The Pull of Her. Written and directed by Sean Hybor. Performed by Brooke Jeanette. Monday, July 17th, 1995. 24 years ago, my sister and I found ourselves here in this world. We weighed six pounds, seven ounces. We had a full head of hair We started off as a sort of unremarkable grayish color. My sister started to crawl on the same day that I did. She spoke her first word, bye, only minutes before I found my voice. When we were still very young, our parents would sometimes not be able to tell us apart. I would sense a slight hesitation in my mother's eyes as she looked for the small nuances in our faces. We spent most of our waking moments together. On hot summer days, we would go outside and just run through the sprinklers in the overrun grass field next door. We would point up to the mountains that loomed in the distance and pick the location of our future home. We'd squint one eye and point, challenging the sunlight as we found the perfect spot. Yumiko would always say she was going to live as far away as she could over on whatever the other side was. After what felt like hours, my mother would poke her head out of the front door and yell out for us to come in. We'd give each other a quick glance that meant we knew we were going to pretend to be the other sister. We'd stolen the idea from a TV show. I'd wear her green striped pajamas with the alligators and she would request my favorite nighttime story. Our plan was airtight i'm not sure if our mother ever found out what we were doing if she did she didn't let on there used to be life on the other side of the overgrown field before the goddards moved away it was the year before dad left they had a beautiful garden flowers and stone jetted out from behind a plum tree the flowers overtaking the side of the house and starting a journey up to the top. Yumiko and I would sneak back through the grass and pull plums from the tree. They were the deepest purple. We'd return as quickly as we could back to our yard and then devour the fruit quickly so that we wouldn't get caught. The juices dripped down our arms and stained our clothes, and then we would bury the evidence as deep as we could in the backyard. We would claw at the earth as the dust swirled in a strange light. It was our secret. Later in the summer, a small plant started to grow from the ground. As much as Yumiko and I were mirror images of one another, we began to see the world in very different ways. Yumiko would sometimes have dark thoughts, hopeless and grim. I'd ask her what she was thinking, if there was anything that I could do for her. She'd fake a smile and say she was just in her own head. But I knew that wasn't the case. I could feel the pull of her. The strength of Yumiko's thoughts would merge with my own. It was a bizarre mix of emotions, sadness mixed with empathy, rage mixed with comfort, the highest highs and the lowest lows. Yumiko once asked me to tell her a story about our father. I had known she was going to ask before she did, so I'd already thought of a satisfying one. We didn't normally talk much about our father, and our mother took almost every picture we had of him out of the house. Only one remained in our living room on a solid wooden beam over the fireplace. Our father, in picture only, smiled over our home. It was our sole reminder of him, save for a few newspaper clippings we had in a folder about the Colorado Springs bombings. Our father had been a firefighter and was called to the scene when the rider truck detonated downtown. He was a hero that day, a few short months before we were born. Our mother said it was the most terrified she had ever felt before, knowing that he might not make it home. Little did she know, I guess. I told Yumiko about our first house before we moved here. Our father would pick us up and flip us upside down after bath time and then drop us onto our beds. He created a barricade out of overstuffed pillows with a center balanced by heavy comforters. He'd drop us and we'd laugh. He'd scoop us up, drop us, and we'd laugh again. It was our bedtime routine. Yumiko smiled hesitantly the restraint in her face, allowing only the corner of her mouth to crease. She wanted to keep her modest joy to herself, held just underneath the surface. But I could feel it. Yumiko began to draw away from me slightly, but consistently, as we grew up. She was closing herself off to me. The first time she resisted, I cried. It was in ninth grade and I usually met up with her outside of the media center and we would walk to our next class together. She was on the other side of the hall, completely indifferent to me waiting on her. I saw her talking to one of the girls from her language arts class in the stairwell. She smiled in a way I had never seen her smile before. A taut, simper, with her eyes beaming. My feelings pulled on hers, and I experienced a swelling of affection. My pain mixed with her warmth. I would feel Yumiko less and less as time went on. On some occasions, we'd stay up late into the night and gossip about school Our mother would let us order food from any restaurant we wanted and we'd watch horror movies and listen to music through headphones. On those nights, I could feel her so intensely, our thoughts meshing with delicate harmony. But those nights began to die. Ephemeral pulls. They'd disappear almost as quickly as they'd begun they were also starting to change. I started feeling flashes of Yumiko's fear. The cause of it, I couldn't wrap my head around, but it felt like collapsing. Swirls of light creating amorphous arms and legs. It had no discernible shape. It felt spectral and overwhelming. Like when you close your eyes and rub them with your knuckles. Yumiko thought of it often. Through our shared wall, I could hear her crying at night, but I could no longer feel her. Yumiko started spending time with the girl from the stairwell. They would walk to class together. They would sit with each other at lunch. She'd come over to help Yumiko study, and as the sun set, they'd walk through the field next door, and Yumiko would tell her about the beautiful garden the Goddards had before they moved away. I'd watch them from my bedroom window. They were hand in hand. I would try to pull anything I could from her, but I was completely shut out, like a storm during a blackout. I felt so tired. I felt alone. After high school, the bond that Yumiko and I shared started to ease away, and we found ourselves headed down different paths. I remained home and went to a local community college. I took the practical approach and decided it was in my best interest to save as much money as I could. I lived in my same bedroom, at home with mom. When Yumiko emphatically assured us that moving away from home was what she needed for herself, we kept her bedroom intact exactly as she had left it. I never understood her reasoning for wanting to leave home so soon and while we were so young still. She had an impatience to her that I could never relate to. Yumiko needed to withdraw from us here and start again For as much as I couldn't understand her desire to leave, my mother felt the pain even deeper. Only she felt angry and betrayed. As Yumiko prepared to leave home, the communication between her and mother would slow down to nearly nothing. The night before she headed out, her and my mother said hurtful things to each other, words I could have never imagined coming from either of them. I felt Yumiko's pull for a few moments. She was scared, and then the feeling was gone. We'd hear from her here and there, never with any regularity. She seemed happy, but closed off. Eventually, she stopped reaching out, and we stopped reaching out. And then she was just a memory. Yumiko had left. Wednesday, July 17th, 2019. Today, Yumiko and I are 24. I can still feel the taste of the plums. I remember how the sweetness filled my mouth. And I can also remember how Yumiko loved the texture of the skin. They're both there for me to experience. I get fleeting glimpses of the thread that we used to have, the unspoken connection, the summers staring up at our future mountain homes, holding our hands in front of our faces to block out the sunlight from our eyes. I get these feelings, swirls of light creating amorphous arms and legs, no discernible shape. Spectral and overwhelming. I'll wake up in the middle of the night with an urgency to feel her. but She's not here. And in some ways, she never really was. She lives inside of me now, watching over me the way our father absently looks over our home. I will find her again. I'm waiting for her to come home. And I'll pretend as if nothing ever happened. We can start again from the beginning and learn who we are. We can continue on and be connected again, if she wants. I'm not going anywhere. Not until Yumiko and I are whole once more. I'll keep searching for the pull of her. The Pull of Her was written and directed by Sean Hybor. The Constance theme song is performed by Quiet Theory. This episode was performed by Brooke Jeanette of the Olive Hill Podcast, a masterclass in storytelling. Check it out. As always, please rate, leave a review, and subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you get your podcast content. Constance is an independent audio drama, so every bit of exposure helps. So spread the word. You can also check out Constance on Twitter at Constance Pod or on our website at Constance Podcast. Group seven zero. Group seven zero six. Two, eight, eight, six, six, two, eight, eight, six.